Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Space, where we make room for real life. We're a podcast by young people for young people. We discuss various issues affecting all of us from a Christian perspective, but each of our hosts, me, Ali, Brittany, and Sean, come from very different backgrounds and take similarly different approaches to a number of issues. We seek to be a podcast that models how to love one another well, even in the midst of disagreement. And we want to provide a family atmosphere where we're honest and open with one another and with you. We hope that you'll feel like a part of the family as you listen too. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. You can also visit us on our website for discussion questions based on each episode. Listen with your friends or family and then have your own discussion. Link is in the description. We hope that each episode helps you love God and others more deeply and richly. Thank you for being part of the Space family. We love you. And now, on with the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Space. We are so glad to have you on this third or fourth episode, depending on how the other ones go. My name is Drew, and I work with college and young adults at City Park Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. And with me is my friend Brittany, Sean, and Allie. And if you haven't listened to our first few episodes, I would encourage you to go do that because you'll get to know us a little bit, hear our stories. We talked about what this podcast wants to be in our first episode, how we want to be a repentant podcast, how we want to have an attitude of humility as we talk about different issues. In our second episode, second slash third, it was really long, so we're probably going to split it. We talked about community and what does that mean for us as Christians or just as human beings in general, because this is a podcast that's not just for Christians, it's for anybody who has any interest in the deeper things of life. This week is about the gospel, and we want to discuss what is the gospel? How did we interact with it as kids? What, how do we understand it now? What implications does it have for our lives? What is it really? Because there's a lot of confusion about what is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so regardless of where you come from in your faith, I hope that you'll find this discussion illuminating and engaging. And yeah, we just hope that you enjoy it. So yeah, just say hello, everybody. (laughs) Hi, guys. Hi. Okay. Hey, how are you doing? Everybody here is on like a stay-at-home order, right? Yeah. Or similar? Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys dealing with it? I'm going stir crazy. Yeah. This is my sixth. Oh, <laughs> we had a conversation earlier. I'm not good at saying that word. Sixth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, real honesty here. Um. Anyways, so uh, like Zoom call today. So with working from home, it's been great. Like I'm so blessed that I can work from home. Like, do not get me wrong, but I am home alone mm. with my dog, which. I'm very thankful I have a dog because he provides some entertainment. But anyways, it's it's been a long, long few days. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for you, Brittany. What's life like in Ireland, Sean? Are you just staying at home with your – is your, like your, are your brothers at home and your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I live with my mom and my two brothers. And yeah, everything is kind of – everything is moving to lockdown in a kind of – non-stress well we're all stressing to be honest um but at the moment we were able to get outside the weather has been nice uh, i am also blessed to have my dog who i get to take out for a walk my mom is a nurse so she's really really busy working thankfully it hasn't been uber stressful yet but we're kind of preparing for that 
and we're all kind of just doing okay. Work is seems busier than ever because everything's on online and my <laughs> eyes are always staring at my laptop. So I actually feel busier than usual. But so I thought I'd get loads of time to read, but I actually haven't. <laughs> but no, um, you know, we're trying to make things work and we're getting there. Hopefully hopefully this just doesn't last too long and we can push through yeah. and get onto the other side. But yeah, we're doing we're doing okay. And in Ireland we're uh, I, I think our government has done a good job in trying to take the right steps. Good, I'm glad. Thanks. Are you doing anything fun with your family or with your, well, not your family, but they're like your family, right, Allie? You know, the people you live with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. have my family that works. They're not mm-hmm. like blood relatives, but yeah, they're my family. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm on spring break, so I had plans to go camping. I was going to go to the Eastern Sierras with my sister, but that is, did obviously not happen. It's really weird because a lot of the things that I like would do to relax, I can't really. Like the beaches are closed in Southern California and a lot Mm. of the railheads and stuff are closed because they're really trying to keep people home, which like I'm in full support of. But I think that this is day 12 of, I mean, we've been doing, we've been doing social distancing for 12 days and have been on like a lockdown order for I don't know five of those so I I pretty much like the only times I've left the house have been to go for a walk or like a run around the neighborhood so I am not naturally a homebody so this is really hard for me um I'm I'm feeling a little stir crazy and yeah I feel like again like Brittany said so lucky that I'm in school and this is like in a lot of ways like minimally disruptive of my life like I've lost my job I mean I don't have a job to lose but yeah it's I've just been thinking a lot about how like every person on the planet in many ways is like experiencing the same trauma like not the same event obviously because it's all happening differently like across the globe but like there is not one single person that I could call or text or like chat with that this isn't at the forefront of their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also exhausting. Like it feels like every conversation I have is just about the virus and about the pandemic. And in some ways it makes a lot of sense and it's good for people to process and to talk and to grieve, but it's also really tiring. Like it, it, it just feels like it's, dominating everything and in a lot of ways it is so mm-hmm. yeah I feel you though Ali I understand it does stink it's I feel like you can't kind of get away from it so yeah. like it's taxing it's a very weird time true so now let's go into our nerd alert you didn't talk about how you were oh I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> okay how are you here? Yeah. What's with you? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, it's just just living life, and I'm thankful I have my family here. It's fun to have my brother home. Yeah. And I'm trying to read more. I've run more this week, so that feels good. I'm trying to get Boomer into it, so it's just real short runs. But he loves Frisbee, and I've learned that he loves to run back and forth between my catch partner, whether it's my dad or my brother, whether when we're playing football, he, like, freaks out over the football or baseball or whatever it is. American football for any 
overseas listeners. <laughs> you had to say that. I was like, wait, what? I wonder yeah. what one he's talking about. And then, yeah, just, yeah, like I'm, I'm worried about my nonprofit a little bit because nonprofits are really going to get hit hard. So yeah, just concerned about that, but also would love to move on to ministry type stuff in the future. I just don't know how that's all going to work. It's just, mm-hmm. this could, this couldn't have come at a worse time for my career. I feel like so. Well, my sister's graduating college in June. So yeah. you have like had some job experience and she's like yeah. freaking out and like, this is great. I'm, Yep. Never going to get a job. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? So this is crazy. Like I said this on Twitter the other day, our generation has gone through us less so Gen Z, but us for sure. We've gone through in our lifetime, 9-11, mm-hmm. at least in the United States, two wars that have existed since 2001 and 2003. So mm-hmm. over like probably two thirds of our lives mm-hmm. for like, I'm 26. So yeah. For people who are older, even longer then maybe not maybe less proportionally but still then the yeah then the financial crisis in 2008 which many of us were graduate going into college or graduating from college soon thereafter or you know going into the workforce at some in some way then then we had like this january we almost went to war with iran (laughs) we've been through two impeachments clinton and trump and then the coronavirus, not to mention opioid epidemic, loneliness epidemic, mm-hmm. others. Like, there's just so much stuff that, like, our generation has experienced. It's yeah. it's actually nuts, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, yeah. like, ready for Jesus to come back, to be honest with you. <laughs> Amen. When I was a kid, like, I have strong memories of my like people like older people in the church talking about like praying that Jesus would come quickly. And I was always like, no, the world is so beautiful. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. want Jesus to come. Like I want to see all these things and like, I want to go like see the pyramids and I like want to go do all this stuff. And like, now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm chill with that. Like, <laughs> come on. Okay. Yeah, like, where are you at, Jesus? <laughs> and I think some of that is, like, rooted in a really, like, warped vision of what the eschaton is, like, what the end times will actually be like. But also, I just think that, yeah, like, yeah, it's a super weird time. And in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really nice if Jesus could come back right now, like, it would be super kind of him to do yeah. that yeah. and like, and like make things whole and good the way that they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't think adulthood is supposed to be this hard. Like, I don't yeah. think it's supposed to be like this, Yeah. but I don't know. It's wild. It is wild. And this is why, <laughs> this is why the good news of Jesus is so important. So we're going to talk about that. I know that was a little bit on the nose, but no, but for real, like, man, the good news of Jesus is good news for us now. And it's good news for our world. And it's good news for a reason. And when I really meditate on that in my life, in a new way that I've come to understand it, it's not a new gospel. It's just 
the way that I've thought about it has been, I think, transformed. It gives me hope, and I don't do that enough. So I'm excited to talk about that. So we're going to get started here with our uh, nerd moment of the week, which we call Nerd Alert. So um, how about Sean goes first this week? Nerd Alert. Good morning or evening, whatever you want to say. But yeah, no, so I was thinking about my Nerd Alert there today, and I was thinking back over some articles I read in my Banner of Truth article, magazines, and a cool article that I was reading was on Does God Desire Our Conversion? Interesting question. And in this, he talks, and um, there was one thing in particular that really stood out to me, and it was talking, he was breaking down this kind of the idea of uh, the irresistible summons from God. Um, and this was a really interesting article where he talks about the kind of the revealed will of God and the kind of hidden secret will of God. Really interesting kind of kind of thinking. Um, but yeah, really appealed to me and this is kind of what I'm looking through at the moment. Um, but he has this really cool little, uh, little uh, paragraph, which I'm just going to read real quick. Um, he writes, The drawing of the Father makes us willing to come and brings us to faith in Christ. Jesus's full statement is um, talking, he's talking here about uh, Jesus saying, no one can come to me unless the Father draws me. So he goes on to say, Jesus's full statement in John 6, 44 is, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And what he goes on to say is the word tra translated as draws is helkuo, can't pronounce the Greek, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and it's used to describe fishermen pulling or dragging a net full of fish to shore. Um, so Simon Peter went up and dragged, uses the Greek word, the net to land full of large fish. That's John 21, 11. Uh, he says, this is what the father does in bringing his people to Christ. This is an irresistible summons. And I was really intrigued by that, just his use of what he, when he was looking at the word draw and kind of uh, connecting it to this idea of drawing the fish in. And I just love that. I love that idea of when Peter originally heard this idea of follow me and you'd be fishers of men and just connecting the dots. I always love um, reading through Peter's story and seeing how kind of Jesus connects the dots for him. And uh, we just see that the, the picture at the end of Peter's life where he's kind of left Jesus and you know, he does, he kind of deserts Jesus. He betrays him and he, Jesus comes back to him and kind of pulls him back in and he pulls him back into what he wants Peter to do. And I just love that, that it was that, that word for draw. And it kind of just gave me a new kind of perspective, uh, perspective, as Drew says, <laughs> perspective on what that word draw means and kind of how God draws us into him. Okay. So that's something that I learned this. Well, I was intrigued in last week. It's really beautiful. That's yeah. Really especially when it comes. Yeah. That Pete, that story with Peter has always meant a lot to me or I guess in recent times meant a lot to me. And we'll probably talk kind of about that later. Okay. Let's go clockwise. So on my screen, that means Brittany is next. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know which way the clock is going. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So I was talking, I think mine is more of a, I'm excited to learn about something. So fun fact, I got out of grad school with my master's last July. Um, we're in March now, so it's been a little bit, but I've had like no desire whatsoever to take any sort of classes nor read books, but both of those desires, of course, have come back in isolation, so it's funny how that happens. So there's this class, Coursera. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's like an online thing that you can take classes. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. For free. Yeah, it's like super, yeah. 
Anyways, so there's this class being offered on there called the Science of Wellbeing, and it's the number one class, like, rated at Yale. Wow. Um, and it's free. So I, I decided about this. to take it. Yeah. yeah. So I started it literally last night, so I'm not very far into it, but I'm super stoked about it because it's it's talking about, like, happiness mm-hmm. and what – we really need to be happy. And I'm really excited to like take it because, well, first of all, I'm like, I think psychology is super cool. I've always said if I were to get a PhD, that's what I would probably get it in. I just think the human brain is really cool, but it's talking about like those key aspects that we need. And like one of the things that they were talking about yesterday is like, just because you know that you need these things doesn't mean that you are happy, for example, or, Mm -hmm. um, So, and I think from a Christian perspective, like just comparing like that psychological happiness and like those key components to like how God intended for us to be, that's why I'm kind of nerding out about it. But anyways, it's super like early on. I'm just excited to learn about it and hear the science behind it. I did take a test. This is another reason I got nerdy. I really love like personality tests. Yeah. Yeah, I get really nerdy about it. And they had like a test where you test your happiness. Yeah, so I took two of those and one on your strengths, which was really cool too. It identified your top 10 personality strengths. The like Strengths Finder, like the Gallup Strengths Finder. It's kind of like that, but not. It wasn't that one. So I don't remember who it was through, but mine was kindness. So that was my top strength. Which, and then my second one was honesty. So oh. it goes well in, in the podcast. So Good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Well, but. thanks for sharing. We're going to try to get Brittany more involved. She's a, she's a deep thinker and she kind of ruminates on things. And I say that because she's a cow studier. Mm. And so <laughs> it fits, you know, she, she spends a lot of time around cows and therefore she ruminates as well. She's we developed go. that habit. And so <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to get her more involved because she obviously has a lot of valuable things to say. Mm. So thanks, Brittany. Okay, I'll go next. So mine's a little more down to earth. So I used to run a lot more, but I think this could help me. I've begun running more this week because I want to get my dog in shape for summer stuff. I mean, who knows what's going to happen this summer, but I'd love to go on a backpacking trip or something out in the middle of nowhere with him. So a Nike funded research team developed an ankle, a wearable ankle exoskeleton that makes running 14% easier and energy efficient compared to normal running shoes. So it's not designed for like competition because obviously that would be cheating, but it's designed for people who maybe are not super into running or maybe they're really old and, but they still want to get out and run or maybe they like want to run with somebody who's faster than them but feel like they're holding that person back, they can put on this exoskeleton, which is still in development, early development, but they can potentially go run better with wow. and more, more easily with less effort and, you know, just help them. It'll help them out a little bit. So the goal is to just get people to run more because running is hard, especially like, man, I, I haven't run in a while. I ran a half marathon probably five years ago and I did I did really well, and but I trained really hard, like 18-mile long runs where the last eight miles were at race pace, and I didn't – and it was in the winter. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not training like that again. 
So Papers. I'm not going to use this, obviously, but you know, for somebody who is trying to get back into it, maybe this would be something that would be, you know, just help people get back into it. So, yeah, that, I thought that was really cool. Oh, it's so, like it looks so it basically attaches to your shoes and it has it's like on the back of your calf and it attaches to your ankle and then your upper calf and it basically uses like cables heel cables and stuff like that uh to increase your push power so when you, like, when you push down on the ground with, with your foot it'll oh, just God. give you more energy yeah. You said your nerd alert was down to earth, man. I know. Sound like you're talking about Star Wars or something. <laughs> well, no, it's like not like, you know, up in the clouds. You know, like, what is your happiness? Or, you know, how does God, is, yeah, is God, is his grace irresistible? Oh, That's super right. exoskeletons. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was super cool. It, it is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So, like, I guess it, maybe it helps, like, relieve some of the pressure off of your muscles. Two? It just gives you more force okay, and makes mm-hmm. you have to use less muscle power so you can go longer and faster. When is this going to be basically amp- yeah, It's, uh, it's been built already, but they're in, it's in development. I can send you guys the link or I'll put it in the description of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, be fun. I'm a fan of running. So. listeners would like to fund this for me. So <laughs> Do cool. it. So if Elon Musk, you're listening and want to help out, let me know. There you go. That'd be really cool. <laughs> Allie. Allie's okay. up. Wow. Oh, gosh, save the lamest for last. So oh. I'm on spring break right now, so I haven't <laughs> been doing much of anything, uh, <laughs> which has been lovely and very good for me. I'm not somebody that, that takes breaks very often. But I've been reading for fun, which I rarely get to do because I read like a ridiculous number of pages per week for seminary. So yeah, I just started this series of books called The Earthsea Chronicles by Ursula K. Le Guin. And I'm like nerding out over them. They're really, really good and super interesting. And they're the like, they're written kind of for the same audience that like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is written. Like they're for like young people but there's also a lot of like depth to them like she just has these some of these like one-liners that are just absolutely killer like they're so good but yeah so I've been really enjoying that and I feel like it's been nice to engage my brain in something that feels not so academic and is a little bit more imaginative and full of wonder so that's been really good that is not and I read I read one and a half books today, so that's Thursday. <laughs> so, true yeah. nerd. Yeah, true nerd. Reading for fun on on her week off. That's awesome. So, uh, our first question tonight, and we'll start with Brittany, is how did you understand the gospel as a child or as a kid, if you understood it at all, and what was your idea of who Jesus was and what he did and what he said and what his mission was. So I think as a kid, um, I understood, I don't know that I understood what the gospel was, to be honest. I grew up in a Christian home, awesome family who definitely like read the Bible and 
really taught me a lot. But I think if you would have asked me, I keep trying to put my kid hat on here and like, what would I have said if you asked me, what is the gospel as a little kid? And I would have probably been like, it's the Bible. And that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is found in the Bible, but that the Bible is not the gospel. So I'm not sure that I I think that's kind of how I would have answered it. As for like my idea of who Jesus was and what he did, I thought he was a super cool person. I did. I, I did get saved at a young age. I put my faith in Christ when I was in the first grade. So by, I do think I had an understanding of who I was and who Christ was and that he died for my sin, that I needed a savior, that he was that person and that he rose again on the third day, conquering death and sin and the power of that. I think I did fully grasp that. I think as time has gone on that has like you said kind of transformed in the in the like gravity of what that is and what that looks like in my life but I think as a kid I kind of had a little bit more of a storybook character in my brain of a of an awesome guy who really did love me but I think it just wasn't as as tangible as it became later in life um if that makes any sense Yeah, totally. So yeah, that's, I think that's typical for maybe a lot of people in Christian culture. They kind of have that similar experience. For some people, it's more or less real. I know, Sean, you would have had a pretty different experience. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, my experience of the gospel growing up was little to no understanding of the gospel. I don't think I ever heard the word the gospel or the good news growing up, but I was definitely, I grew up in a Catholic family and Catholic kind of traditions, but my family weren't necessarily practicing Catholics. We'd go to mass regularly or for the the big two, Christmas and Easter. But um, for me, I never really kind of understood any of it. Jesus for me was just I don't really know, trying to put my kid hat on here too. I can't even really think back. I just remember doing my first communion and confirmation thinking it was great because I was getting loads of money. And um, I love that. (laughs) But cool story. I remember getting a little card when I was doing my confirmation with, with the verse from Luke in it. And it was the questions. It was one of the questions from the disciples. um, Jesus was talking about, uh, something not being possible with God I obviously can't remember right now but on this little card it said the disciples ask how is it possible and Jesus said Jesus says it's only possible with God and kind of along the I think the card said nothing's impossible with God and I remember I remember reading that and thinking that was really interesting so I definitely had an understanding of God growing up but very little understanding of who Jesus was or what the gospel was until I until I really entered university and it wasn't something I really considered much. I definitely believed it was a God, but he was out there and not possible for me to reach. That's kind of what how I grew up anyway. Okay. So just kind of like this, just he was just an old man up in the sky who just kind of sat there and watched everything. Or just um, this amorphous I, yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw him as a him as a person. It was just more of an out there, distant being that put things to work. Um okay kind of like the clockmaker analogy thing that I can't 
think of right now, but yeah. I never really considered it. I like thinking of, I watched the Simpsons growing up and the, you know, God was this guy with a stick or whatever. And that, that like, that made me laugh, but I never really thought that's what God looked like. It was just ridiculous okay. that there was some <laughs> fellow with a beard in the sky with a stick. <laughs> that's what the Simpsons is good for though. I, like I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch the Simpsons. Yeah, neither was I. <laughs> I won't tell your mom. <laughs> what about you, Drew? Yeah, my story. So I was a holy baby because I was born on Sunday, right after my dad preached. Yeah. So I'm extra holy, guys. <laughs> Not really. Amen. But no, like, I, yeah. I mean, for my first, my first Sunday, my first full 24-hour Sunday on earth, I went to church. So Were you born at the church? No, but my dad like literally finished preaching and then like everybody just busted their butts over to the hospital (laughs) because, and so I was, I'm adopted. So that's why everybody was at church and that's why he was not with my mother because my mother, my mom isn't, wasn't giving birth. My birth mom, Jennifer, who is awesome and she's a believer as well. And if you're listening to this, hi, Jennifer. (laughs) And if you're, if my half sister is listening to this, hi, Bailey. Yeah, so that's how that happened. And then, yeah, so I grew up, you know, with all the Bible stories and everything and going to church every Sunday. And as a pastor's kid, you stay after church until everybody's gone. So (laughs) I was like, you know, that was my experience growing up. And so I think I prayed the prayer to receive Jesus when I was five-ish. But like for the next three, four years or so, I was very uncertain of that salvation. And that was for, for much of my like childhood and early adolescence, that was pretty common. But when I was nine, <clears throat> my family moved to France to be missionaries in Southern France. So it really gives me an appreciation for what Sean does. Cause even as a kid, I could see that the mission field in Europe is very difficult and it depends on your country, of course, but I think Europe is an under, appreciated minister or mission field because it is very hard to do ministry there. So European missionaries props to you. Thank you for serving. And uh, yeah. So when I was there, I, I just came to a deeper understanding after a retreat with my dad in the mountains in the Alps. I'm going to just drop that in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so then I, yeah. And so I learned, uh, yeah. So when I was there, I, I just, was on this, I had a conversation with him and kind of felt an assurance for the first time, just kind of settled into my salvation. And then I was baptized shortly thereafter. And then we kind of became like a, a Jesus freak for <laughs> like, I was the kid who started, I started a Christian club at my high school. I talked about Jesus all the time. I had for a while, I had Christian t-shirts and I thankfully moved on beyond that. But I had like the breadcrumb and fish instead of Abercrombie and Fitch shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I, love I thought Newsboys and Toby Mac were hardcore, you know? Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you know who those are, Sean. No. You don't need to. You don't need to know. anything. Please no, don't. Not. No. But yeah, so that's kind of, that was my, yeah, that was a lot of what I did. And I was super passionate about evangelism and stuff like that. And honestly, I felt really comfortable in not in secular environments because when I went to France, that like there were no Christians around. So from mm-hmm. a very early age, I was like very comfortable in that environment. It never has bothered me. I really enjoy being around non-believers and I felt very natural in how I could communicate the gospel in that way. But 
at the same time, I had a kind of an understanding of the gospel that was where if I wasn't doing very good, then God was waiting for me to like drag myself over glass, essentially to appease myself to him, which is not an understanding of the gospel. So that really showed up in college and after college when I just wasn't a very healthy place. And I thought that God really didn't, he was kind of done with me because I couldn't feel his presence. And it took a big shift in my life to understand the gospel in a new way, which we'll talk about later. But yeah. And now Allie's up. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian household. My parents became believers after my sister and I were born. So I actually have a memory of them being baptized, which is really, really cool in a lot of ways. And that was always really compelling to me as a kid. Um, Like I didn't really understand what, like church was something that we did and baptism felt like it was connected, but different. And I wasn't always sure how. And, And I think my understanding of Jesus, I think it's hard it's hard to understand like context is really important for, for my understanding of Jesus. So my mom was an elementary school teacher. I grew up going to public school. Most of my friends were not believers. And, and so my, my faith in a lot of ways and, and, and growing up in Seattle too, faith is, really private, partially because that's the kind of family that I grew up in. I think it also sort of stems from this, like, individual, like, American, particularly, like, West Coast understanding of identity and politics, too. Like, those things are really wrapped up into it. And also coming of age in the, like, early to mid-2000s and, like, really trying to understand who Jesus was in that time that felt really like fraught with a bunch of other things, particularly like the war in the Middle East and like the war against quote unquote terrorism. And then that sort of coupled with living and growing up in Seattle and going to public school in Seattle, where I was in contact with a lot of people who did not believe the same things that I did or, or didn't believe, believe the same things that my family did. And so I think I always had a really strong understanding that my faith was just like one amongst many. And I think because of that, I always felt a little bit like maybe like Jesus couldn't hold up and like the Christian church couldn't hold up. And I think that I also, the the Jesus that I was given and the Jesus that I was taught was also just like really shallow which I think is what happens when we when we make faith be purely individual, purely personal, and like just about sort of like individual piety or like just reduce it to the sort of like one-to-one relationship between the individual and God. And so going into high school, I don't I don't think I had I had a really shallow and and very like what's the word I'm looking for? Like poor, I think. Like poor in the sense of of like being lacking very poor understanding of the gospel it was very much about sort of like a like the vending machine god like i do good things and i put it into the machine and then god gives me the things that i want that i need and 
and God is, is chiefly concerned with my thoughts and how I, how much I pray and how, what kind of prayers I pray. And if I can say the right thing to somebody that asked me about him and that, that was it. And, and that shallow Jesus, which is not to say that like, Jesus is not concerned with a personal relationship with us. Like that is, God is very much concerned with knowing us and with us knowing him. And God is also concerned about the things that we think and the ways the, and the prayers that we pray, not in like, like, like a punitive way, but like God is like intimately interested in us more than anybody else. But I think that that understanding of Jesus really did me a disservice when I went to high school and when I went to college and it felt like, like my faith and like my understanding of the gospel was like one of those really cheap, like pool inflatables from like Rite Aid that like (laughs) even like poke it with like a blunt twig, like it will, it will pop and like, it will have all this, like these like holes in it. And I think that that is really what my understanding of the gospel felt like when I went to college, it just sort of like deflated. Yeah. 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 I want to just add, I guess, a little bit to mine that that kind of just brought up some stuff for me. I think mine felt more personally vibrant in high school than I went to when I went to college. It gained a lot more. I would say that it built a skeleton, but it was revealed to be very much dead. Mm-hmm. So I gained a lot of intellectual knowledge that really built up like new stuff about Jesus and the Bible and life and how God wants to change the world and transform the whole world. I learned that in college, but my self was dying. Like my vitality was being like just stripped away from me. And so it's really interesting, Ali, because for me, I know that American culture has a very, individualized focus on like a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. I just, my personality, I think in big generalities and Mm. big ideas. So I can think very well on like how Jesus changes the world or how Jesus might, how the gospel has implications for various bigger realms and arenas of, of our life and our world. But for me, it's always been really hard to know Jesus and be known by Jesus. It's been the biggest challenge for me. So like when I see a Psalm that has deeply personal language, it means the world to me because I can say those words. And for you, it was the almost the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are so wrapped up in the individual relationship and not just an individual relationship, but more of a transactional type thing mm-hmm. that, I think many of us have that idea. Like if I do good things and this, this is like a common viewpoint from, for millennia for people, you know, if I do the right thing, then God will bless me in this way. And you can see this in, even in the Hebrew Bible, like the people who are co- consoling Job, mm-hmm. they're like, you must be sinning because all these bad things are happening to you. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. So Fun fact, Um, you think that Job was the earliest written book in the Hebrew Bible, like the first actual book that was like written down and not just 
super cool. Yeah, Job is a cool book. Um, so anyway. something has come up that I'm kind of curious about. So yeah, go for it, um, like comparing my experience to everyone else's. So Drew, you said at a young age you were kind of surrounded by non-believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Allie, you've also said the same. And then Sean, you said you kind of were too, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, I definitely grew up right yeah. Okay. So I grew up in the opposite. So I was surrounded by believers and like, which is such a blessing, but, um, <laughs> I think for me as a kid, it kind of, the gospel got really compounded. So kind of in that transactional way, but mm-hmm. a little different, the culture of the, the church culture of the Southeast tends to be more legalistic mm-hmm. um, in nature in that like you have to do X, Y, Z. And so I feel like for me, the gospel, like I felt like I understood that piece and like, I didn't know it was probably called the gospel. Maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> um, little Brittany was smart, but sometimes anyways, but like, I felt like I had that, that core piece, but it definitely got compounded because the believers, it wasn't necessarily, I don't think intentional, but there was like a really legalistic nature. And so the gospel was your faith, but then you had to live this certain way. And I don't know that it was in a completely in a vending machine way. Like, Oh, if I do this, I'll get this. Like it was more like, if you don't do this, then you're probably not saved and you probably don't have it figured out. Right. And Brittany, what church tradition did you grow up in? What church tradition? I grew, I grew up in Southern Baptist churches. Okay, that makes sense. Which is what I did too, but I didn't have that same experience because yeah. the culture around you really matters. Like Colorado is much more like Washington, yeah. except it's more purple. It's yeah. more like a purple meaning mixed between red, conservative, blue, liberal, yeah. if you want to say yeah. that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, go ahead, Brittany, finish your thought. No, and my parents were super... Like, my parents, it's funny, my dad's like, I'm Baptocostal. He likes to say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, my parents, I don't think they, like, there wasn't a lot of non-denominational churches where I grew up at that time of growing up. I feel like that's kind of, I don't know, maybe it hasn't been a newer thing, but I feel like it has been, at least in my area. But, I mean, there's definitely that piece of that tradition. I also went to an independent Baptist church mm. growing up also, which is even more <laughs> added in there. So, but I do think my parents kind of, I don't know, they did a great job of, of teaching me the scripture and not necessarily the culture. But I do think you, when you grow up in a church culture surrounded by believers who think a certain way that does distort it can it can distort the gospel with the cultural context rather than what the gospel actually is yeah Yeah. and I do think that there is like particularly within the southern baptist tradition in the united states and like some other church traditions that have been heavily influenced by calvin and calvinism is this idea that like if you are of the elect, like if you are saved, Mm -hmm. then your life will reflect that. Mm -hmm. And as you, and if, if your life doesn't reflect that for whatever reason, then you might not be saved. Mm -hmm. So there is that sort of like tacking on of, of other 
things that the culture values as a way of reflecting and showing that you understand the gospel and that you are saved. And that is no slam on Calvin, um, just sort of like the way that it has worked itself out, particularly within the American church, is that like different cultures take up different things to sort of reflect that. And I do like, I think something that I do want to point out, and I was going to mention this later, but I feel like it's, it's kind of coming up like naturally right now, um, is this, is this sort of idea that there is like, like a decontextualized gospel or that like we can get like a pure idea of the gospel that is not based in a context and, or like, like almost like undefiled like it's just this like it like pure existent thing that like exists. a platonic gospel yeah Pla- yeah yeah by, and by what i mean by platonic is not like in a friendship but yeah, yeah. plato had this idea of the forms which was the the idea that like if you have this chair like you have a physical chair that you're sitting in right now somewhere out there in the universe there is a perfect chair that defines chairness and all other chairs measure up have to measure up to this chair yeah. so Are that's measured according to yeah. that chair. yes yeah, yeah. so this idea that there is this like perfect or like pure or undefiled gospel that then we like put our context into i want to like push like problematize that a little bit and and maybe we can talk about more about that what we think that means but i do think that I have a tendency to sort of like want to look to this like this like universal or decontextualized gospel that I would argue doesn't exist. So I'm noticing we're doing that a little bit in this conversation. This has been part one of our episode on the space. Thanks for listening and we hope you come back to see part two next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space. We hope you found it encouraging and thought-provoking, and we hope that you feel like you belong, because you do. Please subscribe or follow us and share with your friends if you like what you heard. Don't forget the discussion questions on our website, found in the description. Check under our Episodes tab. A final benediction to you attributed to St. Francis. May God bless you with discomfort and easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain to joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world, so that you can do what others claim cannot be done, to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen. May God bless you, and we hope you have a great week.